Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Michaela. And this is Drink the Movies. A podcast where each week we try to recreate a classic movie drink and discuss the movie that inspired it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the movies. Well, hello and welcome to episode 121 of Drink the Movies. I'm Brian here as always with Michaela and Michaela. Uh, we had the Oscars last week and uh, just like last year, we are returning the week after to talk about this year's best picture, everything, everywhere, all at once. Indeed we are. Uh, I'm super excited to talk more about this film. Um, we've talked a little bit about the story uh, around us and this film. You saw this film right when it came out. You said to me immediately, like, you should go watch it. This is going to win a ton of awards. And you were so right. I uh, I did not listen to you. And I let it go out of the theater. Then it came back into the theater. And I still didn't go watch it. And uh, it was the biggest regret, maybe, of 2022, is that I miss seeing it <laughs> on the big screen. But I did finally catch up. I did see it. I understand why it, it was so great. And then we all got to see it win a ton of stuff last week. So... It was one of your it was one of your regrets. This is a film that uh, tackles regrets, Michaela. So that's perfect. That works out uh, great for us. And I did tell you to see it when it first came out. So uh, this this technically it released on March the 25th in 10 movie theaters. Um, and it did amazing. Uh, it made like, I don't know, like $250,000 that first weekend on 10 theaters, which is just absurd. Um, then it, it spread out to 38 movie theaters the following week um, and then got its official wide release um, April the 8th. And then it stayed in wide release for the next 10 weeks, uh, which is pretty insane for like an independent uh, picture to do. The momentum just kept rolling and rolling and rolling on this thing. Uh, then it got another wide release over the summer. I told you to go see it. You uh, you spurned me again. And then a third wide release this last fall because A24 was really, really digging in. This thing got some momentum. They were not going to let up on it. And that momentum carried it all the way through to the Oscars. And uh, this is a story that is great. Um, I loved a lot. And yeah, told you told you to see it. But um, luckily, we were able to both see it. We have both watched it together. So we've seen it separately. We've seen it together now. And we shared a nice cocktail over it, too. So let's do this, Michaela. Uh, this movie is going to take some talking about. So let's take a quick break. And we'll be right back to whip up uh, this this week's cocktail from a familiar uh, cocktail place if you listen to our coda episode so sit tight and we'll be right back so this week we're taking our second dose of best picture inspiration from fanny's oscar party okay if you don't know fanny's we talked about it in our coda episode which is episode 71 so uh you pause go listen to it it's amazing um the cocktail it, they they have a bar um fanny's is a restaurant it's next to uh it's inside or next to the academy of motion picture arts and sciences it is it has the definitive uh, food and wine cocktail imbibations of all things movies. Um, and they were really, really sweet and uh, helped us uh, recreate our Coda cocktail last year. And so we thought in tradition and to pay homage to that amazing place that we'd never been to and hope to go to someday, we would. Hopefully, yeah. Uh, yeah, I hope so. Uh, we we would recreate uh, at the Everything Everywhere All at Once cocktail that they currently have. So that's what we decided to do. And by we, I mean mostly Brian, because again, <laughs> this is a lot of ingredients. It's a very fancy cocktail. Um, this is not a Tuesday night kind of thing. So um, take it away, Brian, with how we created we recreated this this amazing cocktail. That's right. Yeah. So um, this cocktail actually, it's not quite as involved as as the Coda one was. So this one could be an everyday uh, kind of cocktail if you felt so inclined, if you got these ingredients uh, put together. But but yeah, we definitely wanted to to go back 
back to the source there at Fanny's. They do their Oscar party. It looks amazing. I'm very jealous when they start posting the pictures of all the cocktails because they do one for every every of the best pictures. They all look very nuanced and delicious and interesting. And uh, this year we were just we just had to wait and see what won. You know, we wanted everything everywhere all at once to win. We both picked it and it did win. So we we're covering that. So um, if you look at the cocktail menu, it doesn't have the amounts on there. So we had to kind of play with these a little bit. Um, so here's what we put into our uh, glass. So over a uh, rocks glass with like a big ice cube is optimal here. Um, you're going to do one ounce of gin, three quarters of an ounce of Campari, three quarters of an ounce of Grand Marnier, and then a half an ounce of Fanny's used Aqua de Cedro uh, lemon liqueur. Now, we couldn't find that. We checked um, kind of in both of our local uh, liquor stores. Um, Michaela, yours is really well stocked, but they didn't have uh, this particular one. But luckily, uh, we had one here that was local to us. It's called Citrus Slammin' uh, Lemon Liqueur, which is uh, not, not my favorite name, but that's okay. It comes from Carolina Craft. It's very delicious. Um, the ABV, the description of it seemed right in line with that Aqua de Cedro. Um, so we picked that up a bottle of that. So uh, you're going to use a half an ounce of that. And then just a couple of drops of lemon oil, um, uh, lemon oil, lemon extract, uh, lemon extract is uh, an alcohol base. Lemon oil is, um, pretty much the high quality ones are going to be pressed just from, uh, the lemon rinds themselves to kind of express that oil out of there, uh, akin to like an olive oil kind of thing almost. Um, so, so get that if you can, if not, you can use the lemon extract. It's just going to be a little bit different and a little bit different in the mouthfeel. Uh, so yeah, put that all into your glass give it a stir. And then, uh, the best part, Michaela, is that you're going to garnish that, uh, we used an everything bagel, uh, pretzel crisp, or if you got some everything bagel, uh, crackers or chips, um, or it looks like on the picture, they might've made like a little Parmesan crisp with some of that Trader Joe's everything bagel seasoning on top of it. Uh, look, it looks delicious. We went with the bagel root, uh, for ourselves, but and then you sip it akin to a Negroni. But what did you think, Michaela? I mixed these up and uh, took some to drop off to you. What were your thoughts about this one? I really loved it. So we have talked a little bit about my Campari journey. Um, I always thought Campari was really fancy. And then I had it and was like, ooh, it's real bitter. Um, so I've developed a taste for it over time. Um, I thought that this was a really beautifully done cocktail. The layers are definitely there. You've got the bitterness of the lemon. You've got this kind of, of course, it's made with gin. So you've got the, the a little bit of juniper flowery. And it's really, and it's going to depend on the kind of gin you use. But, um, but that was really nice. The lemon oil that creates this lovely like coating mouthfeel. Um, mm -hmm. It's not, it's not overly, um, it's not overly creamy or anything like that. It's because it's just a few drops. But I definitely felt it especially on the back end. Um, and then I was, I was concerned, not concerned. I was a little hesitant about this everything bagel cracker because while we had to have something that was a bagel and if you know, you know, um, I was a little worried about how that would taste, but oh my gosh, it actually like paired really beautifully. And I mean, like yeah. really beautifully with this thing. I mean, again, Fanny's, you guys are amazing. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, so strange. You you make this, and yeah, it's it's bitter, but it has um, the way that uh, you know Fanny's mixes this up with the Grand Marnier and that lemon. It has like this the citriness, this kind of the sumptuousness that you get from that that Grand Marnier and that lemon oil in there. Um, so it's it's really bitter and, and and citrusy and and bright from the lemon. And then you take a bite of this bagel crisp, which is which is you know salty and um, <laughs> doughy, and I don't I don't know. It pairs up. It's, it's so strange, but so delicious. 
no, I, I, I was blown away by, by the way that it tasted as someone who really likes uh, Negronis just as a regular cocktail. Uh, this had so much more, um, kind of layers and complexity, uh, to it that I found really interesting. And then, yeah, you take a bite of that everything bagel, uh, cracker or chip and whew, good, good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a really interesting way to get garlic into a drink right? <laughs> is right. to put it on, put it on the, you know, because garlic is like one of the one of the pieces of the, the everything bagel seasoning. It's like poppy seed, sesame seed, garlic, and some salt. I, I'm sure I'm missing something, but but that that garlicky hit with the oil with the the lemon citrus and just like evened it out. And then even though it was a bagel chip, like it's a crisp, it's really thin, you get this really almost a comforting feeling of dough. <laughs> It's mm -hmm. so strange. Um, but the good thing is, is we didn't make, we didn't make uh, the bagel crackers. We were able to get them. Uh, mm -hmm. So you can get them at any store. So if you are in the mood to make this drink and experience what we're talking about, this giant party of everything everywhere, all at once in your mouth, uh, you can do that. And you don't have to, you don't have to create a Parmesan crisp. I was, I was ready. We were going to try it. And then we, we decided to do this. And I think that that worked out really well. Um, and saved yeah. us probably 18 steps, which is good <laughs> because I don't know, this seems like a very, I guess you're right. I mean, it was just a lot of ingredients. So you could easily make this uh, on a, on a Tuesday night, if you had all the stuff um, mm -hmm. it's just, it feels like very fancy. It, it kind of reminds me of uh, when we did Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, like it, it, this is not, I mean, it's just very, very uh, grown up to me. I mean, I, I definitely felt really, really fancy and lovely. And like, I should be wearing a ball gown watching the Oscars, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll have to, uh, we'll have to step up our, our dressing game next year for sure. When we do the Oscars, but yeah, these cocktails, um, are amazing. This one was amazing. So definitely give it a try. Let us know if you mix one of these up, let us know if you've been to Fanny's, if you tried any of their other cocktails or what your favorite cocktail was from there or what you drank, uh, your Oscar night, let us know all that stuff on all the social medias. But, uh, now Michaela, we talked about this cocktail it's complex it's interesting um it doesn't make a lot of sense from the outset but it comes together beautifully just like the movie we're talking about this week everything everywhere all at once so why don't we take a quick break and we'll be right back to chat about this year's best picture winner and the oscar goes to everything everywhere all at once spoiler warning for everything everywhere all at once if you've not yet seen this film, uh, you've had plenty of time. And by plenty of time, I mean less than a year. But it's been everything, and it's been everywhere, and you can see it all at once. And you should see it, because we're going to talk about all the things. And it might be a little complicated. I'm not going to lie. I have no idea how we're going to be able to do this. But we're going to give it a shot, and we're going to talk about the ending. There's going to be a lot of spoilers. So... If you've not seen it and you don't want to know all these things, you should press pause. Go make yourself up and everything everywhere all at once Negroni concoction. Um, and then you should come back and we can chat about it. And then you will not uh, be angry that we've told you all the things <laughs> inside everything everywhere all at once. 
How was that? I feel pretty good about that. There you go. That's pretty that's pretty good. There is a, there is a ton of stuff that happens in this movie and we're uh, definitely not going to be able to hit on all of it, but we are going to going to get into the way that the story plays out and and all that stuff. So, as I mentioned at the top, the official wide release for this was April the 8th, 2022, uh written and directed by Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, aka The Daniels, uh, and it stars Michelle Yao, Kei Kwan, Stephanie Shu, Jamie Lee Curtis, James Hong, and Tally Medell. Um I think we're selling that right and uh all these characters we get introduced to in like the first 10 minutes of the movie. So uh, no, no waiting around to find out who all of these characters are, because uh, this is a story about them and kind of their uh, family and relationship dynamics and, and how that plays as we get into the story. So uh, Michaela, um, April the 8th, 2022, this thing comes out wide release to theaters. I see it. You don't. Uh, A24 keeps it in theaters for a long time. Uh, for the next 10 weeks, they do another wide release over the summer. They do another wide release in the fall. And then finally, it comes to be able to stream. I've wanted to watch this so many times after I saw it way back in April um, or whenever I saw it. Uh, but finally, uh, A24 knew what they were doing. They're like, we're going to keep this in theaters as long as we can uh, make this our highest grossing film ever, uh, which it was. And then uh, finally hits Showtime. So you were able to see it uh, just recently, Michaela, just in time for the Oscars. Just in time for the Oscars. And thank uh, the universe. Uh, thank the multiverse that they did that because I would have missed out on what was an amazing uh, film. And You're it's supposed it's, to thank the bagel. Thank the thank the thank everything the bagel. bagel. Thank the everything bagel. Um, if you know, you know. Um, but I feel like, uh, in a sense, you did win all the you pickums this year because uh, you picked this out. You forewarned me way ahead of time that this was going to win everything, and we were right. Uh, it did. And I'm so glad it did. And it's, it's so deserving. Um, we talked all about all of the acceptance speeches and how amazing they were and stuff in our last big episode drop. So uh, we're not going to talk about that here. If you want that, go listen to the last one. But um, yeah, it's, it was, it was a great film. And I think it's going to be one of those things that um, it's going to develop an even bigger following as uh, people watch it and stream mm -hmm. it because I had we had a ton of listeners write in the week before the Oscars and say, look, we don't have a lot of time to watch 54 movies. We don't even we can't even watch all 10 of the best picture nominations. If we could pick one film to watch for mm -hmm. the year, what would it be? And both of us resoundingly said everything everywhere all at once. So I think that it's going to make an even bigger splash um, now that it's streamable and more people can can get their hands on it. Yeah, absolutely. And it was a good one to watch if you were uh, heading into the Oscars because uh, it was nominated for 11 and it won seven. So that covers a lot of those uh, 23 uh, categories right there. Let's run through here quickly the ones that it lost first, Michaela. So it lost uh, best uh, original score and best original song uh, for This Is Life. It lost uh, best uh, supporting actress for Stephanie Hsu, um, won that for Jamie Lee Curtis, um, and then best achievement in costume design by Shirley Karata. Now, Black Panther Wakanda Forever uh, won that award, um, rightfully so. Those those costumes were great. But rewatching this, you know, kind of with the with the sense in my brain that it lost costume design, that's kind of bananas to me because because you have uh, the character of of Joy of Jobu Tupaki wearing these just absolutely insane like like crazy bananas costumes, uh, which are amazing, which are amazing. Uh, but then there's there's so many of these other multiverses, so it was almost like they had to do costume design for like eight films for this yeah. one film. For sure. And they had to, uh, the detailing behind it. So there's a couple of things um, when 
people are fighting and the things that they're wearing and the way in which they had to angle the camera to show off certain aspects of what they're wearing. Um, that really was helpful to, uh, to, to watch, to understand which universe we were in, because uh, sometimes the scenery was quite similar, um, but you wouldn't know that. And just the fact that it was so original, some of these costumes looked like um, they were bug organisms. Some of them looked like they were fashion designers. Some of them looked like they were tennis court. Um, they were tennis players. I mean, some of them were very like normal, um, but they were all like so crazy and bananas. And then I mean, just, I, I, it's hard. It's hard because I think Wakanda Forever did a really great job, but these are just so out there and having to re- like this wasn't recreating a costume like in Miss Harris, Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. This was something that had to be completely rethought of and or thought of in a completely different way. And then um, parsed out and into these universes and then trying to, and that, and that many times was a marker to help us know what universe we were in so that we could keep track. It was, it was kind of like another character almost, or another editing um, factor, right. Um, mm -hmm. that played a really crucial part in understanding what was going on in the movie. Yeah, absolutely. It, def it definitely keeps you grounded, as uh, as you mentioned, Michaela, because this thing uh, spins around um, and you could very quickly lose track of what's going on if you're not paying attention. So uh, let's talk about the ones that it did win. Uh, Best Achievement in Film Editing, Paul Rogers, excellent job. Uh, we just uh, briefly touched on that. It won uh, the Acting Awards, Michelle Yao, uh, Best Actress. Um, of course, kudos to her, Jamie Lee Curtis, I mentioned, and Supporting Actress, and Kehei Kwan uh, wins for Best Supporting Actor. Um, and he's he's the best. He is the glue that holds this whole thing together. Um, he's amazing, so happy for him. And then the Daniels uh, were the biggest winners on the night. They won three, um, along with Jonathan Wang, the producer for Best Picture of the Year, but they won Original Screenplay, uh, Best Achievement in Directing, and Best Picture of the Year, Michaela. They sure did. Um, and it's interesting. I loved uh, hearing them go up and talk every time because they always had something really um, beautiful and uplifting to say, which which was cool. Um, but I think uh, I, for Best Director, I know we 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 both uh, got that wrong. But now seeing it again with that in mind, I really get it <laughs> because the the decisions that they had to make um were so varied and and broad and uh, creating this story um and some of the uh, some of the the work that had to be done in order to get those shots had to be in just incredible and so um and 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 all the decisions around the screenplay i mean it's just an amazing screenplay i don't know as an actor reading this if um <laughs> if i would have understood right, sure. it I mean, I remember some, some, I think it was Arnold Schwarzenegger talking about when he read Total Recall and he was like, I had to read the script three times to understand what the heck was going on. Um, I feel like um, Michelle Yao might have, I, I don't know. I feel like somebody had to be like, hey, okay, so here's what's happening. And then here's the script, because if it's anything like what we saw on screen, it's very crazy and wild. And you've said it before. It takes you right on the brink of like where you're like, I, I don't know if I know what's going on. This could completely fall apart. We're very, very close to this whole thing turning into just a, a, a bunch of garbage that I don't understand how to process. And yet mm -hmm. it takes you right there, but it doesn't take you over that line. It brings you right back. And then everything starts to make sense. And, and in this beautiful, like dynamic puzzle that that somehow makes sense even though it's all over the place so 
it does get right up onto that line. And uh, let's get into the story a little bit here. Uh, we are definitely not going to be covering this kind of in any sort of uh, order or anything. We're going to kind of break it down into three parts, but we don't have Oscars for editing, uh, Michaela. So we're not even going to going to try to do that. So uh, let's start off everything, uh, everywhere, all at once uh, with uh, everything, Michaela. We talked about our actors here. Who are they playing? So kind of to get this thing started off, we are at a laundromat uh, with Evelyn Wang and Wayman Wang, played by Michelle Yao and Kehei Kwan. They are married. They live in this little tiny apartment above their laundromat. Uh, you see piles and piles of receipts and tax documents on this table. Uh, looks a little bit overwhelming for Evelyn. Uh, they are going back and forth. Uh you know, Wayman is trying to get her attention. She has no attention to give for him. All of this stress, all of this workplace stress, family stress, all these things are going on because uh, her father is there, Gong Gong, played by James Hong. Uh, she has a daughter uh, named Joy, played by Stephanie Shu, and uh, Joy has her uh, girlfriend, Becky, also coming over. So everything is uh, literally coming together in this perfect storm of uh, craziness, of insanity. It's bananas. Um, and you're like, what? what is happening? It's like a tornado is running through this thing what, what what am i seeing right now michaela right i mean it is um it's it, it's like a typical well i don't know if it's typical because it's not every day that you get audited by the irs but you're you're being audited um you know you see um evelyn's uh kind of struggle she's trying to keep it all together her husband's trying to talk to her about um his feelings and it turns out that he's got these divorce papers he's trying to talk to her about um he seems really conflicted he doesn't seem to want to get divorced i mean you can uh, ki ki kwan is just so brilliant in this because he is um is his is varied um, interfaces the way he is trying to interact with her as she's running around trying to deal with customers, make some noodles, talk to her daughter. Um, she wants to support her daughter being gay, but she's also kind of ashamed that she has to explain it to other people. Um, I mean, one of the things that she says is, you know, you could have picked a Chinese lady to fall in love with and she's not even Chinese. What is wrong? Like, ah, I don't, I'm, I'm accepting, but I'm only accepting to a point. Um, and of course, Stephanie Sue is like, look, I, I want my girlfriend she means the world to me i want her to come to this party they're having this big chinese new year party that's at the laundromat and they're inviting all these people we get shell we get marcel the shell with shoes on uh comes in <laughs> as one of the customers um with her little dog and she's like trying to get um receipts and all of this leading up to the fact that uh evelyn's father's there he's this older um man who's disapproving and just nothing ever made him happy and you know he apparently uh didn't think much of um wayman she didn't want his daughter to marry him but she did anyway and they came to america and they built a lot they bought a laundromat and they live on top of it and they you know it's a struggle trying to i mean they've got all these old machines the, the 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 this opening scene is just amazing i and I, this is why they won <laughs> for best <laughs> achievement in directing because they have these really long shots of them of going up and down the stairs and all of the things with the set direction and um being in a really cramped space but having all these useful like nooks and crannies and um it talks it it really these first 20 minutes lets you know why it won all these awards because the writing is amazing um the acting is brilliant and it, it it very quickly gets you knee deep into the lives of these people um as they try to just make ends meet and figure out what's going on <laughs> in their day 
And as a mom, I have to tell you, I totally resonated with me because there's about 85 things that Evelyn feels like she has to do and has to handle and managing all these people and their emotions and trying to make her dad okay and make her daughter happy and, you know, uh, be welcoming to her daughter's girlfriend, but not too welcoming because she doesn't really know how she feels about that. And, and at the expense of her partner, who's completely sad and trying to just talk to her about their relationship. I mean, all of those things happening, it was like, oh my God, this is my life. And, and it's, it's the only the first 20 minutes of this film. <laughs> Yeah, it does. Uh, it does an amazing job of kind of laying out this this picture that Evelyn is very kind of uh, disenchanted uh, with her life. There, you have uh, Wayman, uh, like you said, is bringing in uh, these divorce papers, and you you never even for one second get the feeling that Wayman is doing uh, that for any reason other than he wants Evelyn to be happy, and he thinks she might be happier if he wasn't in in her life, which is which is sad and heartbreaking. And you know, we kind of explore that as we get into the multiverse section. But yeah, this this first section it does a, a beautiful job of laying out all of those stress all of those pressures all of those um feelings of of inadequacy and you know, stress and all those things and it, it's incredible um but ultimately you know what's what's more important than than your dad being there what's more important than than your husband uh you know potentially filing for divorce what's more important than uh you know talking to your daughter and how you feel about their relationship uh it's being audited by the irs irs takes top priority all the time so you are going in uh to the office there uh to meet with uh the auditor of the year deidre uh Bubirdra, I think. I don't know if that's how you say that last name, but it played by Jamie Lee Curtis. She has a couple of Auditor of the Year awards uh, there, which might be representative of the way you feel about IRS auditors. I'm not 100% sure, but Jamie Lee Curtis is excellent. Uh, she's there. She is uh, laying out all these things. She says, uh, Evelyn, why are you trying to write off a karaoke machine? You're a laundromat. Uh, Wayman, very supportive through this whole thing, but but Evelyn uh, is, is starting to feel some cracks because now we're at the part, Michaela, everywhere uh coming up that elevator you see just evelyn she's starting to splinter her mind is starting to fracture all of this stuff it's just become too overwhelming for poor evelyn uh but luckily we've got waymond alpha waymond from the alphaverse that's right um and this speaks to kihue kwan's acting because they're in this elevator the elevator door shuts and he is immediately like a completely different person and he's like hey look i need you to follow these instructions i need you to not go to this audit because this is not important at all which is really confusing to evelyn um because it looks like waymond but it's not acting like waymond and says i need you to go into this broom closet we got to talk about this stuff uh you, you, the entirety of the universe is resting on your shoulders and she's like can you come back tomorrow like i <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not saying I can't help you. It's the typical like mom thing, right? Where it's like, I'm not saying I can't help you. I'm just saying I can't help you right now because I'm kind of in the middle of my own crisis. And so I can only, uh, I can only handle so much. And he's of course like, no, like literally this is the most important conversation, which is the, ironically, the exact same thing that Deirdre Bobirdra is saying to her um, now at the auditing table. She's like, are you with us? What's going on? You're staring off into space. It looks like you're not paying any attention. Um, you have to answer for these receipts. She keeps doing this giant circle on these on these uh, receipts saying, you know, this doesn't make sense. And then, of course, uh, there's, you know, there's they were like, hey, you know, you were supposed to bring somebody that could translate. Is this a is this an issue with you not speaking English. And it was like, oh my gosh. And so all of this starts to come to a head. And luckily Alpha Wayman turns back into regular Wayman and he, you know, Wayman from this universe doesn't have any recollection of what has been said, but he left some great instructions. 
<laughs> on the back of the divorce papers. That's yeah, that's right. Yeah, he leaves some great instructions on the back of the divorce papers to to get Evelyn, I guess, where she needs to be mentally to start processing uh, everything that's going on in her life. So they have this meeting with Deidre. Uh, she's amazing. Uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis there uh, as Deidre as this IRS agent. And uh, then, you know, they, they finish. Thankfully, Waymond is there. Uh, Waymond is a sweet talker. He's such a sweet guy. Um, of course, if he asks for an extension, uh, you're going to give it to him. So that's what Deirdre says. She says, go home, get your stuff in order, get your daughter, bring her back here. We'll go over this stuff. I leave at six o'clock. So be back by then. So uh, they're on their way out of the elevator. And it, it is a, at this point, Michaela, that our story takes two branching paths because this is a story about branching paths because every decision you make in your whole life has consequences and they, uh, you know, splinter off and to different realities. So what you ate for breakfast today, if you had an everything bagel, maybe that is going to play some important role and splinter off your own life trajectory. Uh, who knows? Because that's what this story is about. It's about looking back at your own life and thinking about all the decisions you made. Uh, should I go to school here or here? Should I be with this person or this person? Should I do this or that? And all those things have ramifications in this world. So on one hand, uh, you have the Wangs just going home to back to the laundromat to get ready for this party, to get their tax documents together. But on the other hand, maybe they stay and fight uh, with the uh, Alpha universe, uh, Alpha Waymond, uh, and uh, try to get one up on kind of the, the center of all of this uh, shenanigans, which is portrayed by Evelyn's daughter, Joy, um, is the kind of ringleader of this. And she is kind of the physical embodiment of Evelyn's kind of emotions, I think, um, you know, her uh, the way that she's dealt with her generational kind of kind of guilt, you know, that she's gotten passed down from her parents and the way that they treated her and treated uh, Waymond. And now she's kind of passed that on to her own daughter. And I think that she's feeling some sort of um, internal guilt. So kind of the the demon of this story um, is portrayed by Evelyn's daughter, Joy, um, and Jobu Tupaki. And we're starting to learn a little bit more about kind of these alternate universes as we kind of process the decisions that Evelyn may- has made throughout her life and the regrets that she has. Right. Yeah. And um, we, it's interesting because uh, Alpha Waymans tries to explain this, that, you know, his wife, uh, Alpha Evelyn, um, she developed these, this verse jumping technology that enables people to access skills, memories, bodies from this parallel universe, all these people that they want, that they were or are in these different universes. Uh, in order to do that, you need to like do something totally unthought of, like put your shoes on incorrectly or eat a chapstick or sit on something. I, I don't know. Um, you have to do something strange and wild and that gives you the best chance of going to, um, these other places in the uni- in the multiverse and you know grabbing these skills so uh alpha evelyn uh ended up dying and so alpha Ray- wayman is trying to explain um that they 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 are fighting against this being called jobu tupaki and it's not until maybe about a th- i don't know a third of the way through the film that you realize that jobu tupaki is actually joy uh played by the amazing stephanie Hsu. um and this is where the costumes are just insane because she's in all these universes and she's destroying the universes um, one by one. And she can't be killed um, because anything um, that you try to fight her with, she will turn into, you know, bubbles or glitter or anything else. Um, And (laughs) uh, we should preface this by saying this is not for kids. Um, I mean, it's it's, it's rated R for a reason. I'm just going to say that. 
Um, because anything is, uh, anything's game here. She will kill you with like the most uh, interesting things. Anyway, um, the reason why Jobu Tupaki is doing this is because she basically um, broke. She was Evelyn's daughter in this alphaverse and Evelyn pushed her too hard in trying to create this verse jumping technology and because her mind broke like a quote-unquote clay pot it couldn't it couldn't handle going to all these places and being all these things at once and so because she fed off of that guilt and disappointment and you know generational family stuff that happens um she decided to create this uh everything bagel (laughs) and it sounds so funny to say it out loud but that's just go with us here. She created this everything bagel that basically can manipulate um, and suck in all the multiverses, um, kind of like a black hole, but it's not a black hole. It looks like a bagel. And you're just going to have to, if you've not seen it, shame on you because mm-hmm. we're spoiling it. Yeah, she builds it as as this place. And um, it, it's it's very metaphorical, right? Because she says that she made an everything bagel because you can put everything on it. So all of your all of your guilt and all of your disappointments and all of your failures uh she could put on to this bagel you know kind of the center of this universe and really the big kind of point of the story she's trying to drive home to evelyn is that that nothing matters you know it does it doesn't matter what you do it doesn't matter what you did or what you should have done uh nothing nothing matters nothing is important and that's you know kind of what she's trying to drive drive home here at the irs office and um one of the things that i really uh kind of like and can kind of identify uh with this as they keep coming you know from this alphaverse and talking to evelyn and uh you know one of the one of the points about this evelyn um in our universe is that evelyn uh is really good and really great in all of these other universes where she made different decisions um because she basically made every wrong decision to get to where she is uh, right now you know you're really good at everything because you're really bad at everything um and i think that uh that kind of resonates true um, for most people, right? You have you have your kind of regrets, and most people aren't. Um, you know, we're not we're not superstars. We're not uh, rich and famous. We're not you know uh, you know doing all this uh, crazy great stuff. So you kind of look at yourself, and uh, maybe you kind of feel that way about yourself, right? Maybe may, am I am I really special? Uh, were these decisions that I made right? Were um, you know could I have gone down a different path and done something different, and uh, you know made a whole completely different life of myself, been rich and famous, you know? won my own Oscars. I don't, I don't know. But so there's a lot of catharsis kind of then within the story about dealing with that and realizing that, you know, being rich and famous is great and all, but so is doing taxes and running a laundromat with the person that you love. That's right. And all of these vignettes of these, these kind of captions of these different universes where uh, Evelyn is, you know, a, she's a blind singer. She's a famous actress who does karate. Um, she is just a famous uh, karate champion with her just her pinkies. Um, you know, she lives in a world with hot dog hands um, or hot dog fingers. Um, all of those um, choices that that were made that brought her to those decisions also would make this Evelyn kind of unhappy because she's not like, she's not with Wayman and, or she doesn't have a daughter. And, um, and at, you know, this kind of culminates in, um, you know, her having these fights with Jobu Tupaki and, and, you know, 
she has this moment where she almost gives in and she's like, none of this does matter. None of it matters. And she starts to kind of self-sabotage all of these universes because she now is, has broken her clay pot as it were, and she can jump into these places. And so she hurts Waymond or, and she um, decides she doesn't want to sing anymore. And she has the famous blind singer or, or, you know, she does a bunch of other things that kind of sabotage these lives um, because she's like, you're right none of it matters. And then at, she comes to realize that even, even if none of it does matter, she still loves the people that she loves and she can still be deeply connected to the people in the life that she has lived in where she is a quote unquote failure because the things that she thought she failed at were not the things that really made her special. And that was one of the things I really love the scene where Alpha Wayman tries to explain this to her that um, yeah, you were amazing in this universe where you created, you know, you discovered the multiverse and you were amazing as the singer. And, but in this universe that you live in right now, you made all the wrong decisions, but that I didn't need all of those other people. I needed you to save the world. I needed you to help, uh, you know, fight, uh, Jobu Tupaki and, and stop the everything bagel from, you know, sucking in and putting everything, including the entire universe on, uh, in, in this black hole kind of thing. And it's really neat because it's a, we get this a lot with different, um, like kid shows where it's like, you're, you're good just the way you are and don't be anybody else and don't worry about anybody else. And it's not a race. It's, you know, you're against yourself. And, and, um, I think as kids, you, you're, you, you think you get it and then you be, you get older and, you know, everybody has an Evelyn inside of them some days, maybe not all, all the time, but everybody has these moments where they look around and they're like, this is not how I'm supposed to be living my life. And it's um, mm -hmm. it's a really beautiful way um, of reminding people that, you know, maybe everything did happen this way specifically for these reasons. And if you just look around you, and are kind because no, everyone else is having this moment or has these moments, then that that's going to see you through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And we're kind of examining that as you go through um, these different uh, universes, as you mentioned, Michaela. So there's the the kind of infamous one with the uh, hot dog fingers where Evelyn and uh, Deirdre are together. Um, that one's kind of disturbing. I don't love uh, love the hot dog fingers there for sure. Um, you get the the one where she is uh, a chef at like a hibachi restaurant. And uh, who was there? It's Rakakuni, of course, uh, because that's a, a different timeline because she thought that the the title of ratatouille was rakakuni so of, of course like i said every every decision every uh thing that you you do in your life branches off and could potentially have gone a different way so we get rakakuni uh that stuff is really great we get um her as the blind singer is nice you get like a a very like crouching tiger hidden dragon uh sort of thing where they're they're fighting in the woods you get a a different uh, universe where uh, Evelyn and Joy are rocks, which is which is weird and it comes out of nowhere, but it's so beautiful. Kind of this conversation that these two little rocks have on the edge of this cliff, uh, talking about uh, how important things are and how every time humanity makes another discovery, it makes it's just like another burdenous weight on you. And I really like that. That's beautiful. But but of course, my favorite, everyone's favorite, is where Evelyn is the the world famous uh, actress, uh, martial arts superstar. She looks beautiful in this gown she's at this movie premiere and they're kind of watching 
the movie uh, <laughs> of of the story of everything everywhere all at once on there uh which just kind of ends which throws you for a loop because you're like wait the the movie's over that the, the movie's done but but that one's the best because she reunites with waymond and they have this nice conversation and kind of this dark gritty looking alley which is really cool um and waymond is so amazing in this and he you know really kind of pulls at your heartstrings because you know evelyn didn't choose to go with waymond in this one so they're reuniting here and evelyn's you know starting to um you know kind of kind of lead them on a little bit right and and say that you know maybe we could be together maybe we should rekindle this and and wayman you know is very cool kehe kwan just sitting there uh smoking a cigarette and he's like evelyn uh you broke my heart in every uh universe uh right so uh you know it's always the same same for wayman too uh you know just because wayman is a happy-go-lucky guy um in the real world doesn't mean that he doesn't have some of these same kind of insecurities and feelings and uh stresses that evelyn does everyone is dealing with all this stuff um which really comes together here as we get to the fight scene but um but yeah, Wayman uh, is is brilliant because he says then that that was his superpower, right? Being nice and helping people uh, was his superpower. That was how he decided to live in this multiverse of his own mind. And uh, that's beautiful. Good job, Kei Kwan. Be kind, but just be kind because no one knows what's going on. And it's amazing because he because of his kindness in pretty much every universe, uh, something good comes out of it, right? And in the universe where they just kind of go home, he is able to uh, help create that space and time uh, for the taxes to get done. Um, Evelyn, in her kind of weird, like self-sabotaging way, decides not to go back uh, to the uh, IRS office at six o'clock with all of the documentation. Um, Deidre Bobidra calls her and says, hey, you're not here. What is going on? She's really mad. Um, she's like, you know, I've, I've I've already said that there's a lien on your laundromat. I can come and shut it down. And she's like, whatever, because she's in this middle of like, <laughs> I don't care moment. Right. And then, yeah. of course, Deirdre shows up. And of course, Wayman talks to Deirdre and is like, look, I, I, I served her with divorce papers today. She's not acting right. Um, we're not, um, can we please have another chance? And of course, uh, Deirdre played by the amazing Jamie Lee Curtis was like, yeah, fine. And so there's this moment, uh, where I love where they're talking and she's like, oh, my husband served me with divorce papers and I lost my mind. Like, she's like, I've been there, girlfriend. It's, I get it. I get it. It's, it's going to be okay. We're going to figure it out. Like, and she's, she's got this really strange, like orange, bodysuit and and this you know long kind of hair that's been um the the, the again i mm, the costuming is amazing <laughs> it's so great um mm -hmm. yeah it's really great and this is kind of playing parallel to um like i said those those multiverses and she's just learned from wayman to you know to be kind and that's kind of how she ultimately uh you know comes out on on top here of jobu tupaki and all of all these other people and and dealing with all of these universes as she as she realizes you know just be nice to people because you don't know what's going on so that she she kind of goes through and helps everyone uh be happy uh which ultimately leads her back to um to her daughter to to joy and is joy able to be happy i don't know because then we get back to the laundromat right to the party um you know where deidra's you know come back to give her another chance uh wayman talks her down and you know evelyn kind of has this this epiphany right she wants she wants to be nice she wants to be stand up she's kind of dealt with her with her own stuff as it as it were tells uh her father that you know joy is gay has this girlfriend uh you know they're in love and uh that stuff is all 
that stuff is all great, but what what does that mean to Joy, right? I mean, she's as pivotal a character in the story as Evelyn is because um, she says it the best, right? Like, I'm happy that you figured out your your stuff, mom, but where does that leave me? That doesn't that doesn't take away all of all of the things, all of the mean things that you say to me, how how I feel when I'm around you. Um, so maybe maybe none of this does matter. Maybe I should just leave. Yeah, and it's really hard because uh, Evelyn struggles with that right and so we've got this really beautiful uh kind of die dichromic look at it because we have joy and evelyn in the universe that uh where they're in this parking lot and joy wants to get in the car and she's like will you please just let me go because i hurt every time i see you even though i love you very much and um, I don't know if that's like everybody's experience with their parents or just mine, but I definitely resonated with me um, where she's like, I love you, but you hurt me all the time. Um, and so you don't you don't know at this point if Joy is going to let her go. And then in the universe where they've been fighting with the alphas and all of these people in this IRS building and the bagel is there, um, you can see that Evelyn uh, states uh, that even when nothing makes sense and she has the ability to be anywhere else in the universe, she would always want to be with Joy. And even when they're rocks, <laughs> um, you know, Joy tries to like move, the Joy rock moves over to closer to the cliff and Evelyn's rock kind of follows her and is like, nope, I'm going to be with you. And, um, you know, it culminates into this like grabbing of uh, Jobu Topaki in the bagel, like she's about to enter the bagel and Evelyn stops her. And then of course um, she can't hold on to her, but she has some help because everybody else uh, starts to pile on and hold her. So Waymond, Al you know, Alpha Gong Gong and a bunch of the other, other alphas kind of hold on to her on this giant staircase and try and keep her. And uh, it ends up with Evelyn and Joy embracing. And you don't know if it's going to be uh, you know, ultimately like sunshine and rainbows forever, but you know that they've kind of made peace with the fact that e Evelyn loves her daughter and, and she's, she's willing to I, I make some sort of men's um, and, and accept her daughter's relationship and just be more accepting and, and break that familial cycle of regret and guilt and shame and all of the things, all of the things. Yeah, you definitely get the feeling that she's breaking the cycle, right? Because she says to uh, to the uh, I think the alpha version of her of her father, just I, I don't remember which which version it was because there's a lot of versions going on. But, um, you know, she says to her father, like, how is it so easy for you to just let me go like that? Um, so she kind of breaks the breaks the cycle. Um, and it, it's it's beautiful. So the the story um, up to this point, if you couldn't tell from our last, uh, I don't know, 30 minutes or so, the story is very bananas. There There is a lot going on. It is jumping around all over the place. But kind of this this last little bit here where she's, you know, <laughs> sitting there and <laughs> having a vape with Deidre and then uh, embracing her daughter and uh, Waymond is looking on and and has that big uh, beaming smile. You everything just comes to back together in this in this culmination where everything um, is just perfect and makes sense. And even though that it's uh, crazy, just like within our own lives, right, you think about all the things you have to do on a on a day to day basis. And it's just it's just insanity if you step back and look at it. But, you know, in these moments of your life where you're able to to be happy and and satisfied and with the ones that you love and that's you know what culminates here at the end of the story which is which is 
partly why it was so so beautiful and well received you mentioned it Michaela at the top that this had the potential to go very very wrong and you get right up on that edge a couple of times in this movie where you're not sure that this is going to go anywhere um but then it does it goes somewhere and it's very beautiful it it is very beautiful and I love how the story kind of comes to a close uh, it's either the next day or maybe a couple days later, the, the family's relationship looks like it's really improved. Um, they have to go back to the IRS building and Deirdre Bobildra is finally like satisfied. She's like, yes, you finally have, you know, she's got a bunch of circles still, but she's like here, this circle right here is where it needs to be. I I'm satisfied. I'm going to remove the lean on your, on your laundromat. Um, uh, the Wait. best part, Evelyn Evelyn holds Wayman's fanny pack and gives him a kiss. That's the best. That's that the best is part. the best. That is the best part. Um, because she she's wanted that with her husband. Um, and he's the, the, this is the beautiful thing about it is he is not Alpha Wayman. He's always been the same Wayman. And she just had to see it differently. And in relationships that have lasted a long period of time, I mean, you and your wife have been together forever. Um, there's a lot of people who uh, have who are listening that have been in their relationships for a really long time. You're gonna, you you know that you've got to change, and you're going to change. They're gonna change. The way you look at them has to uh, change as well. And uh, in order for that to still be something that is real, I think you know that that's a a huge takeaway. Um, because if you don't, you're going to look at, you're going to look at your partner the way Evelyn looked at Wayman at the beginning, which was not, not fair to him and not fair to her. Right. (laughs) Right. And not fair to her because she was in the way of her own happiness then. Um, because he didn't change. It's not like he became, you know, somebody from one of these other universes, right? They still Mm -hmm. own a laundromat. The laundromat still needs to be painted. They still have taxes that are done. Um, you know, she still has an overbearing father. Like none of that stuff changed. She just saw it differently. And she ended up being the the catalyst for the change that um, that needed to happen in the first place. And then her relationship with her daughter is really nice. Um, and it looks like it's 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 on the road. Uh, they've definitely embraced uh, Becky in a different way, which is um, Joy's partner. Um, you know, they, she's starting to say these things like, you know, you need to do something different with your hair, which is her way of saying she loves you, <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess. And, but Becky sees it that way. It doesn't bother her the same way it bothers joy. Um, and so it's, it's, it looks like this family is really on the mend. Uh, but the question is at the very end is, was that all in Evelyn's head? Because I swear I saw this the first time and I was like, wait a minute, was all of that inside her head? Was that just her manifesting all of this guilt and fear and and none of that actually happened? Mm. Yeah, that's that's a that's a very good question. And uh, to end the film, you get uh, Deidre there is is asking as Evelyn kind of kind of drifts off into uh, daydream land. Uh, Deidre says something and, you know, then says, uh, are, are you with us, Evelyn? And Evelyn kind of comes back and says, I'm sorry, what did you say? You know, kind of grounding her back in and the reality, because, you know, that the first time Deidre asks, you know, you see Evelyn's mind like fracturing in this glass um, and things. But this time, you know, she she is back. She is in in the real world. So. So, yeah. That begs the question, Michaela, was all of this a manifestation of the stress inside of Evelyn Wang? Um, I think that, well, I mean, as fun as it is to think about tapping into um, other multiverses, I think that they are highly just kind of metaphorical for uh, kind of these internal struggles that she's going with. So I think that uh, you could probably take out the whole whole middle section and just say that they 
they left the IRS office and then uh, came back later, you know, after she kind of had this had this epiphany. But it was important to explore uh, the epiphany that she was having. So so I don't know. Is it is it real? Uh, was it just in her head? Um, I think that just being in her head was real. Um, those were things that she had to had to go through and process uh, mentally uh, for herself, which is why mental health is very important. And, you know, talking to people if you need uh, to talk to someone, why that's very important, because you can't let this stuff manifest within you. Um, and like you said, Michaela, get in the way of your own happiness, right? That's that's uh, that's what's so important. And uh, we talked about that kind of in the Oscar preview that uh, our, our 2021 films were kind of about, you know, dealing with uh, the anxiety and, and depression that, you know, the pandemic caused and uh, coming out of it this year was really how how do we deal with with that stuff going forward in this movie better than any other movie that I saw last year better than any other movie that I've probably ever seen really tackles that in a really brilliant way it sure does yeah I mean it really there's so many layers to this film and I know I say that a lot (laughs) but I mean oh my gosh I mean let's it's familial you know crap that you deal with it's guilt it's um it's generational cultural um issues it's issues with your spouse it's issues with your self-confidence it's issues with your own decision making it's not just guilt over decisions other people make around you um it's guilt that you you know decisions you've made it's um shame it's um self-love it's as you said mental health self-care um you know, the the whole idea that um, you have to balance it all, um, imposter syndrome, It's there's so much is in this film and they tackle it so well. I mean, I want to point out, this is 139 minutes, 139 minutes. So is it long? It's about two and a half hours. Is it? Is it like four hours long? No, but you wouldn't know that because of all the things that it covers and it covers it so well. You feel like, I don't know, at the end of this, I felt quite uh, cathartic. I felt like I, uh, you know, got my own uh, stuff together in some ways in my head. And I was able to make amends with some of the decisions that I made in my life. And that's crazy. That's crazy that watching a film can help you kind of, you know, deal with your own emotions and get to a better place thinking about all of the things that are happening in this film, but also happening for you. And that's why it's so great. That's why it won Best Picture. Um, Because more than any other film, it did that. Um, Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) That's all I have to say about that. (laughs) Absolutely. So that that is everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, Kind of us talking about it didn't didn't do the movie itself any justice. So make sure if you haven't seen it, uh, go out and watch it and watch it. We did, Michaela. I've seen it uh, three times now because I saw it way back in the theater. Um, I watched it at home when it came onto streaming um just kind of in the in the oscar watch i still penciled in some time to watch this because i really wanted to watch it with my spouse um because i thought that she would really enjoy it she did um spoiler warning and then uh you and i just watched it again uh this week in preparation for uh the podcast we got to watch it together so you saw it before the oscars and then we saw it through the lens of what it won what it didn't win kind of the the cultural reception to everything everywhere all at once did your did your thoughts and opinions change and anyway, I know the story's a little bit easier to understand because you you kind of have a, a better grasp on what's going on on a second watch uh, for it for sure. But uh, did anything change like within you about the way that you felt about the movie watching it on the second time or knowing that it won seven Academy Awards or anything I, like that? I mean, I definitely think there were again there were aspects to it because I totally when I saw it the first time I definitely the the mother daughter relationship really resonated with me um, the relationship between 
uh, Evelyn and Wayman resonated. Um, the idea around your decisions making and if there is a multiverse that there's another version of me out there that made different decisions and how like the where you are right now is perfectly wonderfully created and and built um and that there are there are there are there's goodness in that that i i remember feeling but i i got that a lot more but as far as like um, categories and things. I mean, this just reiterated, I mean, I put everything down. Uh, I put everything everywhere all at once down to win a bunch. Of, I mean, almost everything. Right. Um, I wish that they could have given to, uh, two Oscars out for best, uh, supporting actress because Stephanie Sue was, was truly awesome in this. And I can't wait to see more of what she does. Cause she's a force to be reckoned with, but no, I mean, other than aspects within the film, it just reiterated to me uh, how how amazing it was that this was put together and how it stood up so beautifully. What about you? No, not really. I mean, I'd, I'd seen it the second time um, and I was still, you know, very, very high on it, obviously. Um, and then watching it again, the big thing that stuck out to me was just that it it didn't win a uh, costume, which is which is mind blowing uh, to me. But that was that was a really tough category this year. But like I said, just kind of the the scope of what they achieved in this. Uh, another thing I want to bring up, and I think let me let me double check this right here. Um, the budget on this film was twenty five million dollars. That was the best $25 million spent of all time. Uh, I don't like the Daniels have to be like the most frugal movie makers in, in the whole world, because like I said, it was it was basically like eight movies uh, rolled into one. So that's amazing. That's incredible. That is insane. I had no idea it was that small. Their budget was that small. I mean, compared to, you know, <clears throat> uh, another film that was up for Best Picture that had a budget of, I don't know, two billion dollars or some craziness. I definitely think that this is going to stand the test of time a lot more. Sorry, James Cameron. Uh, no, sorry. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> Sorry, not sorry. So yeah, so that is everything everywhere all at once. Let us know what you thought about the movie. Let us know if it was your pick for best picture. Um, let us know if you saw it in the theater. Uh, let us know if you've rewatched it since. And definitely let us know if you try one of these everything everywhere all at once cocktails, um, either at Fanny's or the at home version that, that we did. We want to know all of that stuff. You can do that send us messages on our Instagram and Twitter and hive. It's at drink the movies and on facebook.com slash drink the movies. If you want to see pictures of ours, episode recaps, all that good stuff that is on drink the movies.com. And you know, what would really help, uh, you know, in every multiverse, uh, would be to go give your favorite podcast some love. Where can they do that, Michaela? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Good Pods, anywhere where, uh, I guess Spotify slash anchor podcasts are distributed. Um, mm. We uh, do two drops a week, typically. Um, uh, one is a deep dive just like this. Another one is our lobby bar. Um, if you're liking what you're hearing, please subscribe. Tell your friends. Leave us a five-star review. Uh, if you're really loving what you're hearing and you want more of it, you can join our Patreon. Um, it's Patreon. I'm going to let you tell them what that is. Patreon.com slash drink the movies. There you go. Um, and we do a lot of good extra fun stuff there. Um and it's not expensive. It's not too expensive. I think uh, if you liken all this stuff, if you want to help build the community, um, we're really excited. It's 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 amazing doing this. <laughs> it's it's I can't believe this is the third best picture uh, kind of post show that we've done. So that's exciting. 
Well, technically, we only did two because we did Star Wars because the Oscars were so late. In, oh, that's uh, right. In uh, in tw- uh, 2021. So, yeah. Well, uh, you know. Yeah. So so this was this was a good one. So uh love going back, revisiting everything everywhere all at once. Like we said, uh, do all those all those social media things for us. That would be great. And next week, in honor of John Wick 4 coming out, uh, I've never seen John Wick, Michaela, so we're going to go back to the basics. We're going to go to John Wick 1. Uh, it was just John Wick back then. I, I don't think they thought that they were going to make four of them. Um, so we're going to go and talk about that. That'll get me uh, deep into the universe of John Wick, get ready for John Wick 4, and uh, maybe it'll be a nice refresher for everyone. Um, hopefully we can find it somewhere, and uh, we'll talk to everyone next time on Drink, Drink the Movies. The movies. Just be kind, especially when you don't know what's going on. In another life, I would have really liked doing laundry and taxes with you. <laughs>